Well, good morning. It's uh, great to have you here. Uh, I have to say right up front, I am not a fan of the warm weather. No, I'm not looking for a white Christmas or anything like that. And, uh, but, but my thing simply is, okay, it's nice, but folks, it's not spring. It's still winter. And uh, we're going to get blasted. And if anybody saw the hurricane this morning, did you notice that? It was like, maybe it is spring. I don't know. But uh, wow. Well, it's great to have you here. And uh, uh, Christy, praise God. I, I, love, I love that spirit in uh, talking to people who need Jesus. We, for years, I think, not everybody, but... Sometimes, generally speaking, it feels like we just are so shy, so quiet, so bashful when it comes to telling people about Christ. And uh, it, it, man, I, I appreciate that because somebody says, well, I need some time. Quite honestly, she's right. We, we don't know how much time we have. And uh, you have to know who you're talking to, but... Folks, we need to be sharing Christ, and uh, I'll say more about what she had because I said about the citizenship in heaven, I love that truth. I remember in our series in Philippians, we spent quite a bit of time talking about that and want to even probably deal with a little bit of that this morning in a different way, but I have to ask you a question to begin. Have you ever walked on water? Have you ever walked on water? Four years ago it was. I, I, I had to look that up because it all seems to run together, right? You know how that goes. Uh, I was in Israel um, the end of February, beginning of March. And uh, one of the things that we did, everybody does that, I, I think just about everybody, when they go to Israel, you go out on the Sea of Galilee on, on a boat. And uh, you're, you're out there, and you're looking, and I asked our, our guide, I said, do you happen to know the spot where Peter walked on the water? She looks at me like, oh, yeah, sure, oh yeah, it's right over there, I wanted to see, I, you know, I wondered, is that where the water is exceptionally hard, or uh, I, I don't know, but anyway, I'm guessing there's probably not anyone here this morning who has literally walked on water, but figuratively, there may be some of you here who feel like you do or feel like you're expected to, because figuratively it means to do something extraordinary or nearly impossible. For example, when I was uh, looking this up, you know, it's amazing, you just Google something and you never know what's going to come up, but... There were some examples of what people might mean or say when they talked about walking on the water. After Bob made the game-winning basket, his coach now believes he can walk on water. Well, maybe so. Uh, when Sarah scored a 1,600 on her SATs, and if you're a parent of a high school, junior high student, you know what SATs are. Uh, college students, it wasn't long, you just took them, but 1,600, that's perfect. The principal was convinced she could walk on water. Uh, because Jeremy was able to finish that huge project in just a few days, 
the boss now believes he can walk on water. This is one of my favorites. I'm not asking you to walk on water, his wife said. Just put your dirty clothes in the hamper. (laughs) So the idea, walking on water, please, as you probably know, that whole idea, the phrase, the thought, the concept is uh, a reference to a story from the Bible when Jesus and Peter walked on the water. We're going to look at that this morning. So open your Bibles with me if you would, or your phones, or your tablets, or you can grab a Bible from underneath the chair in front of you. And uh, Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 to 23, in the Bible here underneath the chair, page 685. Matthew chapter 14. Uh, verses 22 to 33, and I'm just going to read that for you. Uh, sometimes the stories that we're familiar with, we, we sometimes miss some of the details that I think are significant. All of what's in Scripture is important, and so I want to read that. If you'll just follow along, Matthew chapter 14, I'm going to start at verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd, the other side of the Sea of Galilee. After he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. When he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me! Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, The wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Now that's a story that uh, many of you are probably familiar with or you've heard bits and pieces or read it uh, years ago and uh, or maybe it's new to you this morning. Uh, but, but what we find is Jesus and the disciples had just finished feeding 5,000 with, what, five loaves and two fishes, right? Um, 5,000 men, we're told. There could easily have been fifteen to 20,000 individuals that they fed that, uh, right there. And, and that's, that's an amazing story and study in and of itself. But that's just what happened 
And I don't certainly want to minimize that, but, but we're here to talk about Jesus and Peter walking on the water. But what a display of God's ability to provide for people. And Jesus did that and got the disciples involved. Jesus made, as soon as that was over, immediately made the disciples get into the boat. And, and if we would look at the parallel passage in the book of John, you'd find out that he was wondering if after he'd fed the 5,000, the crowd who was all fired up was going to try to make him king. And he wasn't ready for that. So he made the disciples hop in the boat right away and take off. And Jesus, we're told, went back up by himself to pray on the mountainside. Later that night, the disciples, were told, were now a considerable distance out into the lake. And Jesus... Being aware of that, as he looked, uh, he saw that they were in the middle of a storm. And uh, they were struggling as they were rowing that boat out there in the midst of the wind and the waves and all of what was involved in that. Just a thought. Do you think Jesus knew about the storm when he sent the disciples out across the lake? That's one of those rhetorical questions, and of course the answer, he sure did, but we're, we'll, we'll keep going. Um, so Jesus went out to them, saw them in the midst of the storm. He went out to them, the Bible tells us, walking on the lake. They saw him coming, and uh, they were terrified because the Bible tells us they thought it was a ghost. Now, whether it be just the spray and the wind and the waves and the darkness and the fear that was within them already, wondering if they were going to make it through this storm, they thought it was a ghost. They didn't realize it was Jesus. Well, when Jesus saw their fear, again, Scripture tells us immediately he said, Take courage! It is I! Literally says, I am! I am he! It is I! Don't be afraid. You know, that's, we could camp out an awful lot of places here, but we'll be here till like 2 o'clock this afternoon if I do that. But there, that, that, boy, Jesus, immediately he saw their fear. He didn't want them to be afraid. It's me. Don't be afraid. Well, as the disciples see that, they hear Jesus, Peter, Always seems to speak first, right? Um, I think that had to do certainly with his personality, but I think it also had to do with God's call in his life as a leader. He was. He, I mean, he preached the first sermon in the first day of the church in Acts chapter 2. Check that out. But God was preparing Peter for all of the leadership and all that he would do. But Peter, he cries out, Lord, if it's you... Tell me to come to you on the water. Now, some of us would say, wow, Peter, great bravery. Well, we'll see about that in just a minute. And yet, Peter, again, speaking uh, boldly, fearlessly at the moment. I wonder when Peter said, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you on the water. I wonder if he thought Jesus would say, Okay, come on, Peter. Or did he just think that 
you know, uh, Jesus would, would accept that as Peter's great faith and willing to step out of the boat, but never really expecting that that's what was going to happen. We don't know that except for the fact that Jesus said, come. And so Peter walked on the water toward Jesus. Woohoo! Wow! Can you imagine that? Have you ever tried to imagine what that must have been like for Peter to get down out of the boat? It wasn't a huge, big fishing vessel, but it was a good-sized fishing boat. And for him to have to step down over the side onto, how did he do that? Was it just, you know, like just kind of checking it around to see how hard it's going to be? Or, or how did he do that? I don't know. Did he, did he just kind of jump over feet? I, I, don't, I don't know. But we're told that he stepped down out of the boat and started walking on water. Started walking towards Jesus. Now, the scripture doesn't tell us. How far he got, how close he got to Jesus. We don't know how far away Jesus was as he was walking. But as Peter's standing out, I I don't know how that all went down. I'd, I'd love to have heard the disciples that were still in the boat talking. You know, as one of them nudging the other guy, what's he doing? He's always sticking his foot in his mouth. What is wrong with him? I don't know. Or it's like, can you believe this? And then when he's out of the boat and walking on the water, they, their mouths have to... What? You know, and, and, and as he begins to walk, and, and we don't know how far he got, but, but when the scripture tells, when he saw the wind. Now, you don't see wind, right? You see the results. I don't know if anybody was up this morning. I think it was about 5 o'clock when it seemed like there was a hurricane going on, at least at our house. Outside, I mean, the wind was blowing. The rain was pelting our front window. And, and I was like, whoa, what is going on here? Well, you don't see the wind. You see the results. You see the water hitting the window. You see the trees blowing. Well, out there on the lake, there would have been the waves. The, there would have been the splash of the surf and, and the waves. And, and I can just only imagine that as Peter looked at that, maybe a, a wave hit him right in the face and kind of woke him up or, or just you know, cold water. And it's like all of a sudden... He realizes what he's doing. And the Bible tells us that he was afraid and beginning to sink pretty quickly. It wasn't like when he got to his neck. Beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And again, we're told Jesus reached down and grabbed him. And he says, you of little faith. Why did you doubt? Now, I've heard people say, well, you know, we have to be very careful about being too hard on Peter. I mean, he is the only one who stepped out of the boat, you know. He's the only one who was willing to risk that, right? Why should we be hard on Peter? Because Jesus was. Jesus called him out. He says, you of little faith. We might be thinking, well, he, he had some faith. 
maybe more than the other guys in the boat, but he says, why did you doubt? Jesus was taking that personally because that's what it was. It was like, why did you doubt me, Peter? Right? I mean, what, what else was the doubt about? He was doubting Jesus. He took his eyes off of Jesus. He was walking towards, on the water, walking towards Jesus. But the minute he realized, the minute he saw the storm, experienced the results of the wind and the waves, we're told he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, and Jesus pulled him out. But why did you doubt? There was no, hey, attaboy, Peter, 10 feet, good job, yeah. No, it was, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? Talk more about that as we move through here. So you say, well, what in the world's going on in this story? I think this is one of those uh, passages of Scripture that can be uh, misinterpreted or used to uh, prove all kinds of different things and and I think we need to figure out what is this story really all about. And I think what's going on is that Jesus is confirming his identity as the Son of God to the disciples. I think that's, that's the critical part of what's going on here. He wants the disciples to know that he is Jesus, the Son of God. I believe that's, that's really what's at hand. And therefore, because he is, they can trust him. I think that's behind why he says to Peter, why did you doubt, Peter? You have little faith. Why are you doubting? Because I think he wanted to say, Peter, I'm the son of God. Why are you doubting? I am Jesus. Now, that's not what he said, but I think that's, that's what's involved here. We're going to see a little bit later on about the way the disciples respond. But th I believe that's what's happening because he wants them to know he's the Son of God. And, and as they know him, they can therefore then trust him. And as they trust him, they're going to be more apt to follow him. They will follow him. When you know Jesus, you trust him. And when you trust him, you're ready to follow him. It's very hard to say, oh, I trust Jesus, but we don't follow. It's almost an oxymoron, right, that to say one thing but do it, it doesn't make sense. And so I think that's what's going on here. The same thing happened back in Matthew chapter 8, and you can just write that down and check it out later on. But another time, Jesus was with the disciples in, in, in the boat. Uh, on the lake in the midst of a storm. In fact, the scriptures there in Matthew 8 tell us it was a furious storm. In fact, the, the waves were coming up over the boat, sweeping over the boat. And Jesus was asleep. Do you remember that one? Jesus was asleep in the boat. So it wasn't just like a canoe or a rowboat. I mean, this is a sizable fishing boat. They're in the middle of a storm. The waves are washing across the boat. Jesus is asleep. And we're told that the disciples wake him up and, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. Now, again, if that's me, I'm thinking, wait a minute. I, I, I'm not going to say I wouldn't have been fearful. 
we're afraid. But Jesus is in the boat asleep. If we're going to drown, he'd be going down with the ship too. And, and, and that was their concern. But Jesus knew all about it, right? And so what's going on? They wake Jesus up. All a part of his plan to, again, I believe, to make himself known to the disciples. And he says to them, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Again, he's pointing out their little faith, their doubt. Why are you afraid? And we're told there he rebuked the winds and the waves and it was completely calm. Not just that the storm stopped. Have you ever been in the ocean or a lake and there was a storm? And, 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 you know, when the storm goes by, the waves are still rocking for a while. They're still, now he, it was completely calm. The wind and the waves obeyed him this time. We're told at that point when he did that, the, the, the disciples were all amazed and said, what kind of man is this? It's like, who is this? Well, they knew it was Jesus there with Jesus, but who is this? And, and so as we move through and, and that story, but get back to the current story, um, we'd have to say they didn't know Jesus at that time. They didn't really understand who he was. They said that. What kind of man is this? So if they didn't know him, it would be very difficult to trust him. That's why they would be thinking, are we going to drown? Is this boat going to go down? to the depths of the lake but this time after jesus and peter got back in the boat and the storm was calm we're told they all worshiped him we just heard about worship this morning they all talked about that we talked about how great jesus was in fact we're told as they worshiped him it was like their response wow you really are the son of god Truly, you are the Son of God. Yes, you're Jesus, but you are the Son of God. You are God himself. Not just some good teacher. Not just some social reformer. You are God, the Son of God. And this morning... It's important that we understand that if we're going to follow Jesus, just like those disciples, there were two steps that were necessary for them to take to be followers of Jesus. Jesus had called them all, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men, but follow me. And there are two steps I see here that I believe Jesus wanted to drive home to his disciples, and that was this, you won't trust someone you don't know. Right? Very difficult to trust somebody you don't know. Secondly, you won't follow someone you don't trust. Now, we're going to elaborate. I, I may just stop short after this first one, but you must know Jesus because you won't trust someone that you don't know. I think... Our problem in trusting Jesus, I think our problem with fear, I think our problem with, with talking to people about Jesus as we're sharing the gospel 
with those who don't know Jesus. We're sometimes afraid because we really don't understand who he is. Or there'd be, simp- there'd be boldness all the time. And say obnoxiousness, but boldness. A sense of urgency that Christie talked about. Because again, we don't know how long we have on this earth. We certainly don't know how long those people without Jesus have on this earth. Just take a drive down to the hospital. Any one of the three, right in Scranton. There are people that die there every day. And you know what? I don't know how many knew, how many were a long illness, but I'm sure there are people who die on a certain day, on that day, tomorrow, today, who didn't think or their families didn't think they would be gone today or gone tomorrow. We don't know. I think it's critical that we know Jesus because you don't trust someone you don't know. John chapter 17 and verse 3. That's the first point. You must know Jesus. Here's, here's what John, Jesus, this is, Je- this is the real Lord's prayer, John 17. And as Jesus was praying to his Father in heaven in John 17 verse 3, Jesus praying to God the Father said, now this is eternal life. This is eternal life. What is eternal life? That they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. That's eternal life. That we know God. That we know the only true God and Jesus Christ. That is salvation. And if we're going to live our lives in this world in the midst of all that's going on without fearing, we must know God and Jesus Christ. Following Jesus begins by knowing God the Father and his one and only Son, Jesus Christ. And here's what we need to know about him. We just went through the Christmas season and we read Luke chapter 2 and verse 11. Today, in the town of David, that's Bethlehem, a Savior, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord, Jesus Christ, the Lord. We need to know that Jesus is the Savior An angel of the Lord told that to Joseph in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21. He told Joseph about Mary that she will give birth to a son and you are to give him. Who? The baby, the son that would be born. Give him the name what? Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. John 3, 16, I'm, I, I have it on the screen here. I, that's one of those verses we quote all the time or we use, we mention all the time, but you may be here and, and, and only are used to seeing it behind the goalposts in the end zone or behind the backboard in, in, the, in the basketball court 
or, or out in the outfield or somewhere along the foul pole in the baseball stadium and you see that verse, what does it mean? Well, here's what it says, that God so loved the world, that's all of us, that he gave, that he sent his one and only son, that's Jesus, that whoever believes in him, in who? In Jesus, the son of God, the one that was there in that boat with the disciples, the one who they, after he calmed the storm and stepped in, in the boat there with Peter, and they said, truly you are the Son of God. This is that same Son. This is Jesus. Whoever believes in him will not perish. That doesn't mean won't experience physical death on this earth, but will not experience eternal death. What's that? Separation from God forever. Once life on this earth ends, separation from God forever. That's it for eternity. That's perishing. That's the opposite of eternal life. Because we're told here that whoever will believe will have eternal life. What did we say just a minute ago in John chapter 17 and verse 3? What did we say eternal life is? Knowing God the Father and His Son Jesus Christ. Right? That's what it said. This is eternal life, John 17, that they know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ. And we now know that Jesus is the one and only Savior from sin. He's the only one that can change our lives, forgive our sin. Not just cure us from all mistakes and all sick. No, that's not it. From sin, forgive our sin and change us completely. We spent the month of December celebrating the birth of Jesus, the one God sent, his one and only son, who was born as a man, perfectly sinless, so that he could die in our place for our sins. That's eternal life. Forgiveness forever because we know God, the one and only, and Jesus Christ. And as we gain that knowledge, as we come to that understanding, as we learn about the Savior Jesus, we come to understand what he did for us. Even while we were still sinners, Paul says in Romans 5, even as enemies of God, Christ died for us. And once we come to know those facts, we then move from knowing about Jesus to actually knowing him. There's a difference, right? You can know about all kinds of things. You can know about professional athletes. You can know everything they do. You can know the name of their wife, the name of their kids. You can know the car they drive. You can know where they live. I mean, all that's, that doesn't mean we know them. We know all kinds of stuff. We live in, this, in an age when we know all about all kinds of people. But that doesn't mean we know them. We first must know these truths about Jesus, about God the Father. When we then do, that knowledge, that understanding of the Word of God stirs our hearts, moves within. The Holy Spirit takes that knowledge and brings conviction of our sin. 
and we are at a point where we must choose to believe or not. That's the point at which Christy left. Jake? Bob. Jake's the son. Where he left Bob. She left Bob. He has to make a decision. He knows the facts. He knows the, the information. Knows about what Jesus did. Knows about his sin. But the way he knows God the Father and Jesus Christ is to believe. And that means we don't just know about, but we know. When I first started dating Jane in college, when I first got to, I had to take the time to get to know her. I had to find out, all, ask questions. I had to spend time with her. Back in the old days, that box that hung on the wall and it had this thing you picked up off it, you pushed numbers in it, and you could then talk to the wire. <laughs> Some of you are like, you remember, what's he talking about? The old phone, right? The telephone on the wall, not the cell phone. We, that's why when people do this, that's why it's, that your cell phone doesn't look like that. Right? That's the phone. And uh, we would talk all kinds of time, and we would spend time in the library when we were supposed to be studying, talking, getting to know one another to the point that I knew her and asked her to marry me. I made a choice to spend the rest of my life with Jane. Unfortunately, she said yes. We get to the point as we know the facts, all the information about Jesus and about our sin, that we're ready to know him. We believe that all that we know, all that we're learning, all that information is true. And without knowing Jesus, we will die in our sin and spend forever separated from God in hell. All this, do you say, that's what was going on in that boat? That's what was happening to Peter as he walked on the water? Well, the first thing I think that Jesus wanted his disciples to do was to know who he was. I don't know at that point that it was about salvation, but that would be a very interesting study for you to, to dig into Scripture. Tell me, when did the disciples really get converted? When did disciples really come to know Jesus? There are some verses that talk about they didn't even understand the resurrection until after Jesus had resurrected. You have to figure that one out. But here it is. We must know God. And when we put our faith in Jesus Christ as the only means for the forgiveness of our sin. God forgives that sin and saves us. And when we know Jesus, that's what Christie's talking about. How can we hesitate to tell people who we know don't know Jesus? And I want to challenge you with that truth this morning. If you know Jesus, if you know God the Father and you really know who he is, how can we not tell others about him? And I think Jesus wants to make sure his disciples understand 
if they're going to trust him, they must first know him. Do you know him this morning? Do you know him as Savior? Do you know God the Father? If not, you can believe. You just heard me give you the gospel today. Your sin will send you to an eternal hell separated from God. But Jesus died for you and for me. And when we believe that and accept that gift, we will be forgiven and transformed. And then we begin to grow. And we really become to know Jesus. When we got married, I knew Jane for about three years, was it, Cody? Probably. Now we've been married 44 plus years. And I know a whole lot more about her now than I did when we got married. Because I spent time with her. And folks, to know God as those who know Jesus, we must spend time with him. Father, we didn't get too far across that lake this morning. But I pray that we who have trusted Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sin would be able to say that we really know you. That we know you, our Father, and that we know our Savior, Jesus, and that we are learning more and growing closer, that we don't just know facts about, but we have that close, intimate, personal relationship with Jesus. We know him and who he is, and when we do, oh God, how can we keep quiet about it? Lord, I pray if there's any here today who don't know Jesus, who have never trusted Jesus for the forgiveness of their sin, that you'd bring conviction into their hearts right now. That they wouldn't put it off till tomorrow or the next day or next week, but would believe that Jesus is the only way their sin could be forgiven and they could be made a friend, a child of God. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.